Blog Talk Radio.
Stand up. Good afternoon, and God bless you, and greetings to our listening audience. This is Saturday afternoon. It's the 1 p.m. hour, and so you know that this is Global Gospel, and I'm your host, Reverend Lamar Townsend. We're here every Saturday from 1 p.m. until 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and today we're telling you, beginning the hour by telling you to stand up. And certainly someone said, if you don't stand up for something, you'll fall for anything. And so we encourage you to take a stand today in your life, in your community, in your home, in your body, in your situation. Take a stand. Well, tell your family, tell your friends, tell your neighbors that they can log on to www.blogtalkradio.com slash global hyphen gospel. If you would like to call us, you can reach us at 619-924-0800. We want you to know that we don't own the rights to any of the music that you hear today, but we pray that it is a blessing to you, 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 and you, and it brings you life, encouragement, and inspiration. We want you to know that you can reach out to us on social media. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. We're on Tumblr. Look for us, Global Gospel. Send us a friend request. Send us a comment. Certainly, we will be delighted to share with you and to connect with you. And we want you to know if you go to our Facebook page or our Tumblr page or our Twitter page, page there is a direct link to uh, our show Uh, we are also syndicated on Spotify Google Play and Apple iTunes and all of our shows are archived and certainly you can contact us anytime day or night you can listen to our episodes that perhaps you missed and uh, be inspired through that We do want to shout out our sponsors today, MPT Enterprise, Marlin, Townsend, Abyssinia, Nationwide, Black Family Mediation, LLC, Lois Glenn Carter, Honor Thy Sweets, and also Third Lounge, Brother brother Ryan Wilson. We thank God for them and their lives and their ministries and their businesses and all that they are doing to empower each other and to empower our community uh, we say God bless you to them and certainly we want to thank God for all of our listeners around the world in the north the south the east and the west whatever continent you're in whatever country you're in we thank God for you you and you continue to listen and be blessed to all of our United States uh, listeners, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, California, uh, Maryland, Delaware, uh, Virginia, Carolinas, Florida, Illinois, uh, Michigan. We thank God for you, for you, and for you. Uh, shout out to the Townsend family, to the Norman family, to the Cox family, to the Locke family, uh, to the Allen family, to the Wiggins family, to the Brinson family, uh, to the Stevenson family. Thank God for you, for you, and for you. If you uh, to the Thompson family, also um, I can give you a shout out as well. If you uh, call in later to our show, 
We'll be sure to give you a shout out. Or if you go to our blog talk page and leave us a comment, we will be happy to hear from you on today. If you are looking to reach out to Global Gospel, our post office box is 5331. That is in Hempstead, New York, where the zip code is 11550. Our email address is globalgospel17 at gmail.com. And so we thank God uh, for you, for you, and for you. Those are all, are all of the ways uh, that you can access uh, Global Gospel and so the ways that you can contact us and reach out to us. For those of you that uh, have just joined Global Gospel for the first time, perhaps you do not know or you are not familiar with our theme here, but our theme here is 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, and whom the God of this world have blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. And so today we come bringing you good news and glad tidings. We want you to know today that the gospel is here to heal you, to deliver you, to save you, to set you free. It comes to bring you inspiration, encouragement, and enlightenment. Whatever is going on in your life, whether it's physical, whether it's mental, whether it's financial, the gospel is here for you. And we are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation to the Jew and also to the Greek. This message today and every day is for the rich, the poor, the black, the white. It's for everybody. And certainly there is something here for you, for you, and for you to glean. And we want you to know that God would have us to be holistic. He would have us to be well-rounded. And certainly we can't be so heavenly caught up that we are no earthly good. And so we need to know what concerns us in concerning religion concerning politics, concerning the world today, because we are, may not be of the world, but certainly we are in the world, and certainly we should be informed about this world that we are passing through. God bless you, and um, we have uh, a special guest that um, will be sharing with us in just a few minutes, and certainly we are going to uh, take a break, and certainly that will give you time to uh, gather yourself together so you can uh, sit uh, sit attentively and listen in and get uh, maybe you might run and want to run and get a piece of paper uh, a notepad uh, just to jot down um, some notes or some lessons uh, learned in the next few minutes so after we come back from this break uh, you will be hearing from our guests stay tuned and be blessed. I don't want to write this down. 
God bless you. Good afternoon. Again, we are back. This is Global Gospel. I'm your host, Reverend Lamar Townsend, and our special guest is here in studio. Hello, special guest. How are you? Peace. I am blessed and doing well. Thank you for having me on. Thank you for sharing with us this uh, Saturday afternoon. And for those of you that don't recognize the voice, uh, how about you tell our listeners who you are? My name is Ajay Tahimba. Those are Ghanaian names, so it might throw people off. That's Ajay Tahimba. Ajay means messenger from God or he who brings liberation. And Tahimba is the surname I've chosen, which means we stand as a nation. Well, we thank you for sharing with us today, and uh, hopefully uh, today someone will be enlightened enlightened uh, by your message and all of your information uh, that you share. Uh, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself uh, before we uh, go into our further discussion. Okay. Um, I am an educator, author, and activist from Harlem, New York. Uh, Specifically, I am a black liberation coach, something like a life coach, but more along the lines of helping our people, our organizations, and our institutions to be more effective and more efficient. Um, I grew up in Harlem in the 80s during the crack era and the Reagan administration in the United States. And so I was uh, able to see firsthand uh, from, you might say, ground zero, the destructive power of when you put a, a cocktail of miseducation, drugs, poverty, overcrowded conditions, and uh, state-sanctioned brutality from the police, uh, the effect that that has on the people. But I also was very blessed because in the midst of that storm or desert, I had the oasis of love of my family, um, some of the neighborhood elders. Uh, the black church, and um, African-centered books and community leaders that really helped to uh, educate me and and to shape me. Um, Just as an example so people understand, I was growing up where I grew up in Harlem. I could walk five blocks in any direction at the age of maybe 14. I could have gotten illegal guns, all types of guns, all types of drugs, right in my neighborhood. But my mother had to go uh, all the way downtown to purchase good, clean, affordable food. And my parents felt they had to send me all the way downtown so that I could get a decent education. If that gives people a sense of uh, the type of environment we were in. And so... My Who I am today, I can't really speak about who I am without talking about all these things because those are the things that really make me who I am. Um, going to institutions when I was in high school, like First World Alliance, which was uh, which featured people like Dr. John Henry Clark and Leonard Jeffries, Marimba Ani, and Dr. James, Professor James Smalls. You know, going to Slave Theater in Brooklyn, hearing some of our great speakers and leaders, or going to 125th Street and buying books from the book vendors who 
uh, actually uh, gave you insight on the book you're reading, the author, the, the historical time period, going to Liberation Bookstore and building with Sister Una Mozak, the proprietor there, and getting, you know, you just got fed from all these people. And so um, although I grew up in the worst of times, it was also the best of times because I had all of these other uh, 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 presences in my life that helped me kind of to build my spiritual, my political, my cultural, and my educational armor, so to speak. You know, well, that's a uh, very uh, interesting and uh, unique background, and certainly we know um, that you've been shaped by uh, many experiences, and certainly all of our experiences lead us to our um, call in life or our mission in life or um, where, where we have to go on our uh, journey. And so uh, we thank God that you were able to have an uptown experience, but you were not limited uh, just to uh, your physical uh, surroundings, your geographical surroundings. And like you said, um, it's awesome when uh, your parents expose you to uh, other options. And certainly that always is a good thing to have people around us and in our community that push us to go on further. And so um, how did you, um, where did your journey begin? That was your foundation in reading and exposure to culture and history, and so how did you come to be who you are today as a life coach, author, et cetera? Okay, well, I'm I'm not a life coach. I just want to give people, no, that's okay, because that's what people might best relate to. I am a self-styled, self-named black liberation coach. I'm specifically in existence to help black people black communities, black organizations, uh, learn how to, in the words of Brother Malcolm, wake up, clean up, and stand up. That's what I'm here to do. That's what I do. But to answer your question, I got into it a little bit with the last uh, piece. I think, um, to speak very directly, man, uh, I got to this place because of my education. And so that would be my white man's education and my black community education. So the white man's education was uh, Syracuse University, Cornell University, University of Massachusetts at Amherst, several degrees, advanced degrees, uh, some of his uh, philosoph studying his philosophers and his ancient civilizations and reading a lot of his books. But the balance, <clears throat> the balance to that, was my black community education, which was, like I said, the the uh, jugnas, which some people call mentors. But the jugnas I had growing up in the neighborhood, my parents, my uh, extended community. I grew up in the black church. Um, and although my views on spirituality are certainly um, unorthodox and non-conventional, and though I have some what I believe to be valid critiques of the church, I would never be one of the people that is writing the church off wholesale because I know our history. And I know that what it has done for me in my life, the church where I grew up, Convent Avenue Baptist Church, was uh, the place where I first got the opportunity to speak in front of people as a child, a place where um, I saw 
beautiful, strong, uh, dignified black people that were in leadership positions that ran everything in this institution from the top down, from the custodian to the cooks to the deacon board to the church to the choir, uh, everything. And uh, it's where I got into positions of leadership, the usher board, the uh, the uh, the choir. I was on the I was even on the church football team. <clears throat> so this had a lot to do with my development. I say this uh, because I know that I'm on a, a show called Global Gospel, and I know that you're a reverend. I say this for those listening to be to be careful not to cast me aside as one of those angry black men, militant black men, understand that I came through the church and I give the church its credit. Although I'm still critical of, of the church, I give it its proper credit, the, the, the role it's played in our community, some of our, our, political, our politicians, our educational institutions, our move, social political movements all have connections to the black church because it remains really one of the only institutions that we own and uh, operate pretty much completely around the country and the world. You know, so when you combine that white 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 man's education with that black community education, I was set up to be a black liberation coach. I was set up to do basically what I'm doing. You know, that's the way I look at it. I hear you, and certainly I'm I'm not I'm not here to judge you, and I'm sure our listeners aren't aren't judging you as as well. Uh, you know, uh, we are are open minded, you know, uh, but that's another story. But so um, so tell our listeners about uh, nationalism for those that may not know. Okay, uh, nationalism is a political ideology or philosophy. It is uh, all types of people have subscribed to nationalism. So you have uh, white, white, white ethnic people who are Irish might have an Irish nationalism or British nationalism. It could be an Islamic nationalism. So nationalism in and of itself is not uh, relegated to a particular race or ethnic group. However, particular mm-hmm. races and ethnic groups have looked to a nationalist point of view to help them, one, understand the reality of their situation, to help them to analyze it, and to give them the tools, weapons, you might say, to deconstruct their oppression, to to participate in black resistance against their oppression. So in the case of black nationalism, you have people like, uh, and I should say also, uh, I should say this first. There is a um, a mistaken notion in the black community from those who, of course, would not be nationalists, not all, but some who think that black nationalism came about in 1960 or that it, it's kind of the evil twin, if you will, of uh, nonviolence or integrationism. And I, I do want people to know, as a historian, it's important I let people know that nationalism goes back essentially to when the first African was brought to the so-called New World uh, in slave ships. Nationalism goes way back. It actually predates integration. It it predates black accommodation, and it predates black nonviolence, just so people are clear on that. 
Um, and even if you look in uh, the 19th century, which would put us in the 1800s, you have people like uh, Edward Wilmot Blyden. You have uh, Henry Highland Garnett. Frederick Douglass, to some degree, early in his life, had nationalist sort of ideas. Uh, people in the church. This, see, this is why I really want to help people understand. Uh, Bishop Henry McNeil Turner was a, a clergy member, but he was one of the pioneers of nationalism. The Honorable Elijah Muhammad, Marcus Garvey, Malcolm X, Chukwe Lumumba. So nationalism um, kind of for, for black people takes on a few different um, forms. You have uh, nationalism expressed through religion. So, for instance, the Nation of Islam would be an example of that. Or, or the, the, the Morris Science Temple uh, that was headed by uh, Prophet Noble Juali. Right? Or, um, I forget what they're called, I think it's called the African Orthodox Church. People like uh, uh, places like Shrine of the Black Madonna, for example. Those are nationalist, black nationalist institutions, but yet they come through the, the, through the cloak of spirituality. So these are places black people go. They worship. They read scripture. They engage in community um, activism and all of that, but through the prism of black nationalism. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have uh, political nationalism. You have people who are more into a, a business nationalism. We should own the institutions in our neighborhood and the, and, and the businesses. Uh, you have people who are into cultural nationalism, so they might change their names to African names or Islamic names. They might wear African-inspired clothing. They might participate in a... Alternative holidays, instead of Valentine's Day, a coma day. Instead of Christmas, Kwanzaa. So there's various expressions of nationalism, black nationalism. But I think at the core it has a few, um, a few traits that are pretty standard, no matter what type of nationalism we're talking about. So for one, the issue of self-reliance that we be in positions or work to put ourselves in positions as a people where we own the means of production. We own the factories. We grow in our own food. We're building our own homes. We have our own political parties. Uh, we have we have our own uh, institutions and, and networks, even down to our own fraternities and sororities, even down to our own universities and colleges, our own transportation networks communication networks, social media networks. So that would be uh, uh, banks also and credit unions. That's one of the expressions, one of the core principles is being self-reliant. Another core principle is to reject Euro, certain Eurocentric values and practices and institutions and instead to reclaim African-centered values, practices, and institutions. You know, so you would have African-centered schools like Akobin Institute in Atlanta or Freedom Home Academy in uh, Chicago. You would have uh, Kwanzaa in, uh, in Guzu Saba in Akoma Day instead of the traditional holidays. As I said, people would have African-inspired clothing and names. So me, I changed my names back in 1991 to African names that had meanings that I felt 
were more in line with who I was at the time and who I was becoming, you know. Then you have mm-hmm. the, the uh, principle of cooperative economics, that black people uh, should be pooling their resources together, that we should not be, uh, let's say, like more of the European capitalists where, where one person owns the land and one person has the deed and one person has the intellectual property, but where we take, for instance, a community need like affordable, clean food. And maybe 50 community residents within a two-block radius say, you know, we need to have super supermarket. And they say, okay. And they set it up cooperatively so that every one, every one of those 50 people has ownership in that supermarket. They own it cooperatively. They make decisions cooperatively. They can work in this uh, supermarket if they choose or not. They all have a discount. And because they're able to buy food wholesale, right, they can make deals that you and I couldn't, couldn't make as individuals. They can go and purchase food at a, a serious discount so that not only the members of the cooperative uh, save money, but they now can share this discount with the larger community. So now the larger community has access to healthy food at an affordable price, run, owned, cleaned, and maintained by people in their very community who respect them and love them and treat them like human beings when they come into the, to their enterprise. So cooperative economics is important. Then you got self-determination, that we have the right to define ourselves, name ourselves, uh, define our issues, define our leadership, our tactics without outside influence, that we're not going to allow other people who don't know our our pain or our, our beauty or our experience to tell us how we should move in any way, self-determination. And then, of course, which is largely uh, very controversial, though I don't understand why, uh, given the country, this country's history, is self-defense. One of the key tenets of black nationalism is we have the right to defend ourselves, uh, particularly when we live in a situation in which we're the constant victims of state-sanctioned violence. So by state-sanctioned, I mean prisons, uh, through police departments, through military units, and even through white vigilantes who have no connection to the state, who are just regular citizens. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are the victims of this type of violence. And so this means that a nationalist, whether they are religious nationalists in the church they go to or the spiritual center, that spiritual center supports self-defense. It means right. that if they're on, you see, every institution supports that. And I think so, yeah, um, so that that would be my breakdown. Right, and as, as you talked about the religious institution, and I think um, I was listening was listening to you uh, talk about uh, Dr. King, and. Um, the, the term that many people are probably familiar with is that of the social gospel, um, and right. that kind of that kind of sums up in a in a uh, Christian Judeo Christian way of uh, how we uh, should be free as uh, believers, and certainly and you introduced uh, other um, concepts as well as far as community. And you, you talked about the black church and just to circle back and you talked about convent Avenue, which is uh, a very well known uh, church in Harlem. And one of the uh, 
situations that exist in Harlem and other neighborhoods uh, that are, are are experiencing or have uh, experienced gentrification is that the black church disappears. And I don't mean like, you know, it just vanishes, but, you know, um, because the neighborhoods change, people uh, move out of the neighborhood, the property is lost or it's sold or um, people in the community don't understand certain legal aspects. And then they, as a result, the uh, developers end up with these uh, properties that have been the, the center of our community. And so we've lost so much of that, not just in New York, but in other cities as well. I'm sure you agree with that. Oh, yeah. What, you're, what, you're, what you describe basically is what they call uh, gentrification, regentrification, or ethnic cleansing. Might, If you look at it at a, on a global perspective, is that the, the state uh, finances, supports, or looks the other way when uh, non-traditional members of a community begin moving into the community and don't just move into the community because, you know, communities have to be uh, practical enough to understand that anybody has the right to move into a community, generally speaking, in the United States. But what happens with this gentrification is people come in and they begin taking over the, the sites of power in the community. So now where you had a Linux lounge, uh, or or these different uh, cultural institutions in Harlem that help to make Harlem what it is, Liberation Bookstore, Human Bookstore, and I can go on and on and on. Now what happens is white folk move in, or it's not just white people, it's other people. They move in, and they begin uh, uh, taking over the community boards, the school boards. Uh, they begin moving and shaking, building property, taking down uh, uh, historical excuse me, historical Man, black Mark. cultural venues um, and things of that nature. Um, and I, I can give an example very briefly. Uh, at, Mount, at Mount Morris Park, which, of course, is renamed Marcus Garvey Park in more of what's called Central Harlem, there was a tradition on Fridays and Saturdays that different African drummers would come out, come to the park, and they would play. And this was something that was uh, very um, su- well supported by members of the Harlem community who, who loved to hear the drums, loved to come out and see the brothers playing, like to dance while they were playing. So what happens is now white folk moving, not just white folk, but I should add um, upper middle class black people moving because what happens with gentrification is they buy the buildings, they build these condos, they charge a lot of money for them, so that, of course, attracts a different clientele of people, some of whom might be black. But they come with slightly different sensibilities. So now the people in this new building paying all this rent or paying, you know, their maintenance fee for the condo are saying, what is all this noise? Why do we keep hitting? What is that? Oh, that's some African drummers. African drummers, we didn't come here to hear this. We want to go to sleep. What are these people doing? <laughs> so now these people create a movement using the the existing uh, political apparatus to to get that African drumming out of the park, which of course angers and insults the uh, indigenous community of black people there, um, and of course to set up a, an adversarial 
sort of relationship. So that would be just a, a very small example of how this can negatively impact people. So now the community finds itself having to defend the African drumming tradition that may have been 50 years old, right? Mm-hmm. And these people just moved in a year ago, and they're calling shots now for a community that existed before their parents did. You know, so that's just one example. Wow. Um, um, considering the, the church, you know, some of it is natural. I mean, things change, people change, institutions change. Um, the church, I'm not going to isolate them. It's like any other institution. Uh, you, I don't see black barbershops anymore. They're Dominican-owned, uh, Puerto Rican-owned. I don't see black barbershops. I don't see so. So it's a lot of things that you'll notice. You know, so what is our the, when the gentrification comes? What is our our response? And and then we're going to go to take a brief break. What is our response to this situation? Or what should our response be? Yes, uh, in my opinion, it's always we educate ourselves. It's always the foundation. We always learn. We try to understand what is going on. How is this affecting us? Uh, who is behind it and what are their interests? What are the tools at our disposal to combat that or resist it? Right? So that's what I always, always say is that we educate ourselves. Um, and then uh, I would say that we have to begin uh, um, get building institutions that are African-centered or black-focused and oriented that represent our, our realities and our interests. So black realty firms, you know, if a white company wants to come and buy and buy this building that, have, that happened to house your favorite fish and chip spot, Simply protesting is not going to stop that from happening. The white man has the right to put money up and buy the building from the, the current owner. So we want to stop that. We've got to have realty companies to make a, a counter offer. You see what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it depends on what the issue is and the institution behind it dictates kind of our policy and how we respond to it. But education first is the foundation to know what you're dealing with. Awesome. Uh, we're going to take a brief uh, break. Our number and uh, studio is 619-924-0800. We want you to give us a shout-out, 619-924-0800. And um, we're going to come back, and Brother Ajay is going to uh, tell us how you can contact him. Um, he's going to tell you about uh, these uh, books, the books that he authored, and certainly uh, how you can obtain a copy of that as well stay tuned you're listening to uh global gospel a conqueror you're a winner a champion a soldier for christ a conqueror romans 8 and 37 says nay in all these things we are more than conquerors no one said it would be easy Never said you wouldn't cry Still fighting battles Thinking no one's on your side When you don't hear him speaking Just know that he's working On your behalf And all for his glory You're a winner A champion A soldier of Christ A conqueror You're a winner 
We're back. You're listening to Global Gospel. I'm your host, Reverend Lamar Townsend. Brother Ajay Taimba is our special guest on today. And certainly our title today, Wake Up, Clean Up, and Stand Up. And um, Brother Ajay, before we go back into yes, sir. is there anyone that you'd like to shout out today? Absolutely. Thank you for giving me that opportunity. I'd like to shout you out for having me uh, on your platform. I I would like to shout out my dad, who is no longer physically with us, for putting me on this road, and I will forever be indebted to him for that and saving my life by helping me how to live a clean and righteous life, you know, uh, and that is helping people being a part of the solution rather than the problem. George Sith, I will shout him his name out to the day I die for sure. My mother, all of my Adrian Sith, all of my, my family members, I'd like to thank uh, my Babas and Jagnas, who my elders who taught me, saw that I was a fool going the wrong way, but saw some beauty and value in me and decided to pull me, take me under their wing, and school me. Uh, people like Baba Richard Tanko, uh, Dr. James Turner at Cornell, uh, 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 Professor I.C. Lumumba, so many people I couldn't possibly uh, even name all of them. And um, and I would say uh, my queen, who who um, the expression in the street is holds me down, but I want to say lifts me up, is a, a resource to me in so many ways, uh, and who I love dearly. And um, and that's basically it. Thank you for that opportunity. Awesome. And how can it, how can our listeners contact you? Oh, uh, they can contact me at email true self one forty three at gmail. The true doesn't have an E on the end, so that's T-R-U-S-E-L-F, the number is 143, at Um And uh, if they wanted to learn more about the things I do when I'm into books, whatever, if they type my name into Google, they will come up into my website, anything. Basically, anything they would want to find out, they'll find out typing my name into Google, I.J. Taimba. Um, yeah. Awesome. And uh, we have uh, Sister Carter. Uh, greetings, greetings, greetings. Uh, thank you, Reverend Townsend, uh, for uh, providing this platform. Um, blessings to you, Wakusu, uh, Brother Ajay, uh, Sister Lois here. So glad that um, I'm able to chime in on today. I want to uh, also say that I am a proud student of the Harlem Liberation School. Um, I used to drive from Long Island into New York City to be a part of uh, Brother Taimba's classes, which has been a wealth of uh, information and knowledge and helped me on my liberation path. So I just want to thank you publicly, um, Brother Ajay, for all that you have poured into me and my children on in liberation. Thank you so very much. Awesome. Wow, well, thank, thank you. you, Sister Lois. Thank you. Yeah, Sister Lois used to come through all the way from Long Island to Harlem, which everyone knows is no easy trek. <laughs> and she had her two children in tow, two beautiful little, little angels she used to bring with her. I mean, and always uh, sharp young ladies. They had answers. They had questions. So uh, blessings to Sister Lois and her family. I hope they're all uh, well, uh, given that we've got this epidemic going on. I hope they're all well. And I want to thank her 
not just it's not just what we've done. It's, it's the fact that people like her appreciated and and participated and supported our institution. In this case, uh, Harlem Liberation School. So thank you, Sister Lois. Awesome. Uh, and we're going to come back to the Harlem Liberation uh, School just before we close. Book, books. You're you're an author as well. Uh, yes, sir. Um, okay, so I have four books. One book, the first book I wrote was published through a traditional outside publishing house. Uh, I'm told it's the most powerful in the world called Simon & Schuster. That book was called Game Over, The Rise and Transformation of a Harlem Hustler. Not me, by the way. (laughs) I don't want people to think it's about me. But I, I was the writer for the brother whose story it was. His name is A.V. Faison, and he actually wrote the original script for the movie Paid in Full because the movie is about him and his two partners in crime in the 80s in Harlem, uh, uh, Alberto, uh, they call him Alpo, and a brother named Rich Porter. So he decided he wanted, I went to him and pitched the idea of writing his life story in a book form because he had done a movie. And so we came out with Game Over in 2007, and it's done very, very well. I know it's sold more than 20, 20, at least 20,000 so far. And then the next three books, by the way, that book is telling the story of uh, the conspiracy to flood uh, black neighborhoods, in particular, this case, Harlem, with cocaine and heroin and, and narcotics to uh, lower our property value, send us to prison, and send us to the grave. And the government's complicity in this through real estate agents, attorneys, judges, I mean, it goes on and on. And who better to get the story from than somebody who was a kingpin who could tell us about uh, judges and lawyers he's supplying cocaine to. (laughs) Right? Police he's bribing. Yeah. So that was a very interesting book. Um, And then I wrote three other books. Uh, One is called Too Far Youth, a self-empowerment book for teens. Because I was a New York City public school teacher who eventually went on to start start my own school with the help of two other educators, Ms. Fawn and my baba, Richard Tenko. Uh, that was 20, 21 years ago now. Kappa Academy, also known as Middle School 215 in the Bronx, New York. And uh, so this book now was all of my experience being a teacher and the things I would hear the students say the, all of the days and, and meetings spent sitting with parents who are crying, who are frustrated, who are trying to figure out how to best advocate for their students, and me thinking about how it was for me coming up as a teen. What were my anxieties? What, what was I interested in? What were my hang-ups? And so I wrote this book to be a guide for teens and to be read by teens with activities, and things, talks about dealing with peer pressure, talks about a process for making good decisions, the importance of investing in themselves in terms of education and things of this nature. It's really, really something that, according to the students I've heard from and their parents, that, that has been a very empowering book. That's probably the book I'm most proud of personally. That's, that's um, and awesome. Then there and is, we, we do encourage our listeners. 
I said we do encourage our listeners uh, to certainly uh, search out and purchase um, all of your uh, works. And certainly uh, you just spoke about teens. So there's something uh, that Dr. Uh, Ajay offers to everyone. Uh, we have another caller. We have about five minutes left. I ha- you can still call in if you call in really quickly, 619-924-0800. Caller, are you there? Yes, good afternoon, Reverend Townsend, Dr. Ajay. This is Brother Marlon Townsend. Peace and Wakusa to you both. Just calling in. Uh, thank Dr. Ajay for all that he does for for the community and you as well, Reverend Townsend. And uh, Dr. Ajay, I'm one of your, I'm one of your biggest fans. Uh, so uh, just keep your head up. Keep on doing what you're doing. Yes, sir. Thank you for that. And let me remind Brother Marlon and everyone listening, I don't have fans. He's not one of my greatest fans. He's one of my greatest supporters. Okay. I just want to give a All different right. language to distinguish myself from an entertainer. I'm, uh, you know, <laughs> he supports what I do, and I respect that, man. I respect you for that. Thank you. Thank you for okay. that. Thank you. Um, Those who are wondering... If they want to get the books, I, I have four books I've written. If you go to Amazon and simply go to Amazon in the search bar, type in my name, all four books will come up. There's audio versions, there's Kindle versions, and then, of course, there's the paperback version. Awesome. So, our listeners, please uh, remember uh, that uh, our special guest today, Dr. Ajay Taimba. And uh, we are on uh, immediately at 2 p.m. following this episode. Uh, you can tune in to www.blogtalkradio.com slash global hyphen gospel. The entire episode is archived. You can listen in. Uh, wake up, clean up, and stand up is our theme for today. And uh, I'm a preacher. I'm familiar. We have something uh, called the 7-Up service. And... Uh, because I'm pressed for time, don't ask me to remember all seven ups, but wake up, clean up, stand up, speak up. Uh, There's a lot of them, but whatever it is, we want you to get up and do uh, what you are called to do, what God has called you to do in your community, in your family, in your neighborhood. Uh, Do what you need to do, and certainly reach out to Dr. Uh, Ajay, uh, if you need him to speak, and we know that things are opening up now, so he may be able to do it in person. If not, uh, virtual seems to be a new wave right now until uh, times get better. Uh, But uh, we thank you for sharing with Global uh, Gospel this uh, Saturday afternoon, and certainly we've been enlightened, and certainly we'll have to come back with part two, and we'll talk more about the Harlem Liberation School for those that aren't familiar. But in the meantime, reach out to Dr. Ajay Taimba, and uh, certainly uh, there is more information out there and more that you can do for your community. Thank you uh, for sharing with us. Uh, In one minute, what would you like to say to our listeners? I'd like to say thank you to yourself, Reverend, for having me on your platform, sharing it with me. Thank you for to Brother Marlon for, um, I guess, being the liaison. Thank you for all of you who've listened. Whether you believe what I said, agree with me, it's, that's actually not even important. And I think what's important is that we understand each other 
and that we understand that there can be unity without uniformity. This is to say every single black person does not have to believe what you believe, dress like you dress, speak how you speak, but that we can still uh, fight and resist and build and love together in unity without all having to be identical clones of each other. Thank you for your time, uh, family. Peace and black power and wakusi to you. Thank you. Every Saturday from 1 p.m. to 2 p.m. Eastern Time. Father, we thank you today for your loving kindness, for your tender mercy. We thank you for everyone that has listened on today. We thank you for our special guests. Uh, We pray that you continue to bless us in the city, bless us in the field, bless us coming in and going out. We pray that someone's encouraged, uplifted, and inspired on today. And God, we know that we have life and life more abundantly because you sent your son Jesus to die for us that we might have that abundant life. We thank you for all things. Remember, we are a chosen generation. God God bless you. This is our prayer. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. We are a chosen generation. We will fight and we will win. Wake up, clean up, and stand up. God bless you.
Lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.